Welcome to the Party Pro Toolkit, sharing stories and ideas to empower participants and producers of nightlife, festivals, and burner culture. Greetings, this is Melina Liu, and you're listening to the Party Pro Toolkit. Soul Summit is a project that hits me right in the heart. It is an inspiring example of community-led party culture that brings together people from all walks of life to share in soulful music in a public space. This event began 18 years ago at a time when Fort Greene in Brooklyn, New York was evolving and changing. A historically black neighborhood saw the increase of gentrification and a mix of people moving into their neighborhood. Rather than resisting the change, Sadiq Bellamy, Jeff Mendoza, and Taboo wanted to bring together the mixed community and unite people in the neighborhood through the simple concept of sharing music in the park. When they were growing up, park culture was thriving. People would gather in the park every weekend to share music in the sun, getting people out of their houses and connecting with their neighbors. They felt that this communal ritual of their youth was lacking as they got older and they wanted to bring it back. People used to hear eclectic styles of music on the radio, but that eventually became homogenized as well, making the need to share more diverse music with the public even more essential. Soul Summit is a free event that takes place several times every summer on Sunday afternoons in Fort Greene Park. They get the appropriate permits to host the event, but there are no barricades and no security, despite the fact that the event quickly grew into attracting seven to 10,000 attendees. There's a strong culture of self-regulation and communal accountability among the participants that allows for this to happen. There was one time when three people called to complain about the noise. So the Soul Summit crew asked the attendees to call into the city to voice their support of the event. Hundreds of phone calls poured in over the next week, shutting down the phone line because so many calls came in. Free public events like this provide an important social good for communities, creating an inclusive social space for celebration, connection, and expression. I would love to see this event inspire similar activations in other cities. Learn more about the development of this purposeful party in my interview with the founders of Soul Summit on March 7, 2018, located in the basement of DeKalb Market in Brooklyn. Would you mind uh, just each one of you introducing yourself and saying a little bit about why you do Soul Summit and what it means to you? Um, I'm Jeff Mendoza. Um, what it means um, to me is having an opportunity as, oh man, I guess this is the first time, having an opportunity to fill a void that um, was not that I didn't see present. I don't think any of us saw present. Mm-hmm. Um, like we said, um, you had the programming of radio stations here that weren't really from here. And the, the programming of the radio stations were pretty much telling the people what they didn't accept. Mm-hmm. And Soul Summit kind of proved that the people don't agree with this. And the, the programming, as Taboo had mentioned, was due to a lot of factors. Um, uh, not being able to sustain the economics, um, outside uh, entities coming in to change the programming, entities who were not from here, of here. And as a result, um, it, it was almost like it, it was shoving stuff down 
shoving things down people's throats that they didn't they didn't agree with. Yeah, I feel like a lot of that still happens with mainstream Absolutely. music and radio. Absolutely, <laughs> it's still very much happening. Uh, Sadiq Bellamy um, from the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Uh, my family is from the South. I'm the first generation born here up north. And I just love music. Um, I grew up with music. My father was an avid music collector. And, you know, I came up cutting and scratching, as we call it, for the old heads, all the way up to house music. I became discontented somewhat with what became hip hop. Mm. You know, all three of us started in something that hip hop, we didn't call it that and it wasn't that. Uh, we would cut and scratch records and uh, you would go to the parks and you would hear disco. Mm -hmm. I shocked some of the hip hop guys, right? You'd hear disco mm -hmm. at these so-called hip hop events, you know? So I outgrew that and mm -hmm. landed on the Soul Summit ship. <laughs> Can I ask, what was it about hip hop that you didn't connect with? Uh, I think we alluded to um, some of the negative, stereotypical mm -hmm. aspects of um, life that was not really the reality of most people. For example, uh, early on, and they probably can both speak to this, the cool guy in the music was the DJ. Mm -hmm. He dressed the best, meaning uh, the fads, not necessarily mm -hmm. silk. Um, mm -hmm. He knew how to talk to everyone, the DJ and the MC, as you call it. He was cool. Mm -hmm. And I saw mm -hmm. the thug wow. guy became the wow. cool guy. And as someone who was there from the beginning, the thug guy was the joke at the party. He was mm -hmm. on the outskirts. He had mm -hmm. no skills, no mm -hmm. friends, hence he was a thug. He was a bully. bully. So it's very okay. interesting how that yeah. persona became central mm -hmm. and all of us cool guys mm -hmm. were pushed out. <laughs> wow. And some stayed the course. I had business partners. I had to set up companies with earlier. Mm -hmm. I literally left as a result of that landslide. It's like, there's no way. That's not who I am. Yeah. You know. And, and some have been able to navigate that, you know, when to name names. But you can, like, you look at a P. Diddy character, you can tell he's not a thug. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but he stayed in there somehow. <laughs> cool, yeah, thank you for that. All right, Taboo. T-A-B-U, born and raised Brooklyn, New York. Um, I grew up um, going to park parties. Um, my first introduction to dance music was carrying crates for some older guys that were doing parties I never would have knew about or would have been able to get in to. And after that, I was still, and I've always been like a record collector, collecting 45, breakbeats, James Brown, stuff like that. Um, so when we saw that this kind of park thing wasn't happening the way we experienced mm. it growing up. We figured we would bring it back, but bring it back with a twist with the music that we were now enjoying in our early 20s, late 30s. 
um, the master mix dance show type vibe opposed to maybe a cutting and scratching type thing where people would expect to hear it in the park. And then we chose a day that people wouldn't expect to have a party on a Sunday. That's right. Af afternoon. And we did it so we didn't want to clash with no other parties. But it came to now see that I can't book a party on Sunday sometimes because all the Sundays are taken up. Yeah. As I've been told, that's the new <laughs> hot day mm. is Sunday now. Mm. I mean, that? who would have thunk it, right. you know, 17 years, 18 years ago. But but um, that's the case. So I think Soul Summit embodies it, it embracing the future and holding on to the past. Um, we de we're definitely not stuck. We definitely are, are not anti-technology. Um, we use social media. We use technology. But um, we also use good old-fashioned community, which I think will mm -hmm. never play out no matter what mm. phone comes mm -hmm. out, mm -hmm. no matter what you know, technology is out. Community at the end will will, will right. rule, and that's where we stand. There was something going on with the music um, that the radio airtime was playing, and there was a void where you had um, I don't really want to say an age group, but you had a, 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 a music that was missing, and the people who were the, the 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 social group who was not involved or who was not in charge of putting the music out on the radio, they were displeased. But yet the radio seems to still keep pumping this music that was not really accepted by the the masses. Yeah, and that was the void. Okay. And, and to add on to that, I think the commercialization of of the music. And, soul music in particular, but music in general. Um, that led to formats being altered. Um, New York has been known for this underground radio, you know, eventually became underground. You'd have to stay up late at night, midnight to five to catch, you know, what, he, what he's referencing as the real underground sound. Whereas when we grew up, that wasn't the case. You cut the radio on at any time wow. of the day, wow. from morning till mm -hmm. night, and you had a hodgepodge of Joe Cuba to mm. uh, Isaac Hayes. Wow. When WBLS played the entire format, Elton John, you name it. So what uh, um, disappeared? Like what time frame are we talking about? Well, I'm speaking of the 70s yeah. when I grew yeah. up as a child in the 70s, <laughs> yes. and I think. You know, Jeff alluded to this this '80s thing that came in. All of a sudden, smaller and smaller amount of what we would consider like true underground sound. And yeah, and I think it's you know, do you think it's related to that shift in DJ culture, like radio DJ culture, kind of moving more towards um, bigger like radio stations just owning more airwaves and just kind of phasing out the independent DJs? Well, that would play a part in it when independent radio stations were being bought up on top of a lot of record labels were closing dance music departments and consolidating uh, departments. So everything consolidating. So you have one station 
buying three, four wow. stations and doing the programming for a city wow. that they were not in. Yeah. So, you know, that that played a part in, I think, the demise of what would have been the New York sound. So where we were at the forefront at one point, we became, you know, third or fourth, and then also the Arbitron rating system where black radio never could command the dollars that other radio stations could command. So they were were financially probably strapped and had eventually had to sell or be a part of a network to at least stay on the air. Yeah, and it kind of just became this homogenization of the airwaves. Right, exactly. Right. And then you, you couple that, you know, we're talking about the economic perhaps and political, but you couple that culturally what, what was taking place with, with soul music you know, the so-called black music, African-American music, and you throw in the gay community. Mm -hmm. So, you know, public opinion now starts to influence public policy and legislation. So those things also have to be spoken to. The disco sucks movement mm -mm. in Chicago. Yeah. Mm -hmm. These things were not just economic, they were social and cultural public yeah. opinion saying, hey, you know, what is this music? What is this dance, the hustle, the Latin hustle, etc." Who are these people? You and know, then so. the Stonewall. The Stonewall, riot, yeah. You know, even earlier, there, the Stonewall yeah. piece there. So it's interesting to think about, you know, what was missing, and I applaud the people who step up to help fill those voids. And um, can you tell me a little bit about the early days of Soul Summit and what, what that, you know, what that early development was like? Wow. And kind of, you know, what, what you were learning along the way. Well, it started similar to how it's starting right now. The three of us were alone in a room in, in um, Taboo's apartment. And we decided that this is what we were going to do. That's how the whole thing started out. Yeah. And it's, it's like, this is missing. Let's this, do it. It's missing. I mean, I mean we'll, I'm sure they'll talk about the nuts and bolts of it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there really was not this early beginning of Soul Summit was monstrous from day mm. one. So it's interesting, you know, so build up and, you know, we yeah. need capital and we need this to make it work. From day one, thousands of people in the streets of Fulton Street, <laughs> restaurants <laughs> stayed open five, six hours longer from the first event. So it's interesting. I heard that yeah. early days. It's like, yeah, early days, maybe administratively, mm -hmm. but in terms of the social and cultural and musical wow. piece, it, you know, people just immediately responsive. Yeah, like I referred to before, we outgrew our first location. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, like like second, third event. It, we outgrew it. Yeah, that's how we ended up in Fort Greene. Yeah, Park. not the second year, the second <laughs> event ever. We outgrew the location, which was amazing and you know striking to the city. You know, who are these people? So how, do, how are people finding out about it? How did it catch well, wind so quickly? Now that you mention that, that was before, as Tabu always says, that was pre-social media. Right? Yeah. Which well, is honestly not even that long ago, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> now, well, we had a, a community in mind that we could target, yeah. and our immediate social circles were, were club people, yeah. people who went to the shelter, 
people that went to the loft, people that went to the garage, people that went to the baseline, wild pitch, snob busters. You know, all these, you know, people that came out of this club scene, that was our immediate community right mm-hmm. there. So we started our immediate community. And from there, you know, it kind of mushroomed in to other people who probably gave up on going out or just moved on or something to that effect. And that's where it is now, where it's beyond the club community. It's, mm-hmm. it, it, it's beyond the New York City community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like a global thing yeah. at this point. Yes. But um, our initial tentacles reached the people that we party with. Yeah, just starting with your immediate community, word of mouth. Hey, we're doing this, come by, you know. And that action is passing a flyer, so you do little hand bills. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and and, and literally no, and fancy, remember, uh, what was it, Kinko's when they, you know, with Zach the Knife and, you know, all all of that whole thing. Um, And it just really, and the other thing was, we had no real competition because nobody was doing Sundays. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sunday was a quiet day. I, body and soul was out there doing uh, a Sunday party. But outside of indoor. that, yeah. Yeah, like, and, it, and it was indoor. Yeah. We were the only outdoor Sunday party back then. So uh, it's kind of like it's a no-brainer for folk to like, hey, I can do this. Mm-hmm. I can go to the club, go home and sleep, get up come to the park and exactly what people would do we've been to the park in the morning and i would venture to say some people didn't go home <laughs> they left the they club just go straight from the clubs and yeah. come join you at the park yeah so what time of day would you usually be starting or do you start set up or uh to start the music all the music is this like a sunday afternoon 3 p.m 3 p.m yeah it's a good time and the end time varied depending on who was on duty in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, those may be some stories that I don't know to keep off the record. <laughs> well, we, we can totally go there if you want to go there. Um, so how are you, did you have to get permits to play music wow. in the park? Or did you guys just go renegade? And yeah, I think, I think it, it was a combination, you know, uh-huh. some some things we knew about and others we found out you, you were asking like what did you find out along the way yeah uh, of course there are a thousand permits you know for soul summit now given the size but we kind of found out along the way i mean there was the obvious park permit mm-hmm. we knew that much and the sound permit. and the sound permit uh you know those two but you know there are stipulations based on the size and the class size of the park and so it's kind of just go ahead and do it and yeah, that's how it started. Ask for, yeah. <laughs> ask for forgiveness, well, not permission. Yeah. But we did, you know, we did um, apply for, for the park permit from the, from the onset. Yeah. So that we knew enough and to so do that. Early on you were doing this, how many times, like in the early days this was happening almost every weekend. Uh, in the in summer? In the summertime. Yeah, nine, nine to ten events. Yeah, that's incredible. And then, uh, do you want to talk a little bit about that progression of, because now it's not taking place in the park as often. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, there was some factors that was into play for that. One was um, uh, 
a councilman by the name of James Davis. When we first started out, you know, as with anything, you can run into hiccups. Mm -hmm. And as we ran into hiccups, he reached out and he says, um, you know, I got you guys. I'm going to work with you guys. And that's what kind of carried us over for like maybe what, one or two years. And then unfortunately he was murdered in like city halls. Oh wow. Yeah, and at, that was kind of like amongst other things. Yeah. That was part of the shift of the change from, as he says, nine, 10 events down to where we are now. I mean, that's, that's not solely, but that's a big part of it. Uh, yeah, that's unfortunate. So that was probably 15 years ago? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Around yeah. then? Yeah. That's a good story. Yeah. That's a good one. The, um, also, the, right, so when we started the events at the week, we probably didn't, wasn't political savvy enough to know who were the players in the neighborhood because the players in the neighborhood we knew were no longer the players in the neighborhood. <laughs> sure. The neighborhood changed. So the people that kind of called the shots in the neighborhood were different. Uh-huh. You know, over the, from when we started to when it was big, big. And you know, it's safe to say some people were not happy with uh, the event in the beginning. And those the most namely new residents the the Brooklyn scene, sure, and that's uh, you know which is which is complex and is you know I always say it's bigger than music, you know music and music events are just the one of the effects of this complex movement of new money, new mm -hmm. people, new cultures. You have stable culture. You have uh, mom and pop stores. There's a shift. It's dynamic. You know, really dynamics, so all of those things happening. And Fort yeah. Greene was a very interesting neighborhood and probably ground zero for gentrification early on because it was the mecca for like this black arts movement in the 90s, you know, where everybody that was into music, film, writing, poetry, no matter what it was, you were there in Fort Greene at the time. So. Um, as that show slowly shifted out um, and new people came in, I guess Sunday night, they wanted quiet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And not everybody, but some. Certainly not, yeah. Probably a minority. I mean, still a minority. And I think that's the complexity of Fort Greene and mm. other cities mm. around mm. the yeah. country. You have, they call it gentrification, but it's a very small amount mm -hmm. relative to the population ratio, mm -hmm. minor, especially Fort Greene Park. And I think you, you had a community of people who moved into Fort Greene and found out that they were actually trapped northwest, southeast. And, you know, literally thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people on the borders of where they may have purchased a million dollar brownstone. So it wow. became like, whoa, you know, what's going on? Yeah. It's very How's the community changed over the years of like the community surrounding Fort Greene? It hasn't, in my opinion, it hasn't. So like, yeah, that's what you're saying is like the I, Maybe like, the other areas, maybe. but Fort Greene has not. 
Fort Greene, if you look at the borders of Fort Greene, mm -hmm. going down to the Navy Yard mm -hmm. and all the public mm -hmm. houses there, mm -hmm. uh, Park Avenue, <laughs> uh, Myrtle Avenue, it's still mm -hmm. there. That's the irony. They're still there. So that hasn't changed very much, obviously, internally and, mm -hmm. you know, from one end to Myrtle Avenue in the store as an entrepreneur. Well, how do you think that Seoul Summit has affected that community, you know, as far as um, for the people who are part of it, participating, who didn't have access to that music in a public space before? Wow. Yeah, wow, wow. I think how we're the glue. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I'm going to let Tab define it. Ironically, we're the glue in the middle Uh huh. because our entity consists of both we're really the glue in the middle from both communities. Mm. And, you know, we give a voice, ironically, to both. And so what do you mean by both communities? Well, you, you, you have the uh, folk who came in, okay, mm -hmm. the gentr okay. gentrifiers, and you have those who've been there for nearly a mm. century, going sure. back to Weeksville. Mm. <laughs> right, you know? yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's interesting. So, so Summit is one of these events that that kind of speaks to both sides of the fence where we're embraced with a lot of new people. We talk and we love this. I move, I moved down the block and yes. I love this. And then we got people, like you said, born and raised in Brooklyn, been to every club and they still come out. And if it wasn't for Soul yeah, Summit, they probably wouldn't have a presence in Fort Lee yeah. at all. Wouldn't have no reason to come there. Just, I mean, you would come there, go to the park, maybe run around the park or, or something, but you wouldn't have no other reason to go there to congregate if it wasn't for Soul Summit. Mm -hmm. We're really mm -hmm. the only event mm -hmm. now that takes place in that park yeah, of this size of that. Integration. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because yeah, you could come in the park and walk your dog, you'll come in the park and work out and do pull-ups, etc., but separately. Right. Mm -hmm. When Soul Summit occurs, you know, everyone's there together. Melting pot. Yeah, everyone's together, everyone's yeah. getting down. So what are some of the different things happening at Soul Summit? Like, tell, wow. paint me a picture. Tell me, tell me what it's like. Hmm. Well, um, Soul Summit would be everything you would want in a party and everything you would not expect at a party, because it would be people there with their kids. I've seen in, in, in photos, I've seen people 80, 70 years old, on down, yes. intergenerational, people who speak English, people who don't speak English, I've seen uh, straight people, gay, white, black, everything in the middle. It's like a real picture of what New York City mm -hmm. um, is you can get food, you can buy clothes, you can have your palm read, you can get a massage, you can buy records. You know, so it's that whole mm -hmm. vendor element. You can, we got vegetarian food, we got Caribbean mm. food, we got nutcrackers, <laughs> we got ice cream. Yeah. I mean, we diversify with the vendors for that experience while you're there. And then musically, um, kind of is, is, is the gamut. The only rule musically is it has to be soulful and it leans heavy into house and disco. Love it. Leans real heavy in, in that genre, but outside of that, the um, sky's the limit. Yeah. Is it one, like one central music area? Like there's, are there multiple stages or just 
like one DJ going at a time. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, so you're getting everyone just in that same vibe. Yeah, and, I mean, and that's how we originated the concept. We've spoken about, you know, changing that over the years, but that's worked. And what is ironic, that setup that we do would be the same setup that they would have done at the loft. We do the four speakers, the people in the middle. Now mm-hmm. that becomes the in vogue thing now. But we just did it because we're kind of students of that and it makes mm-hmm. sense. Surround the dance floor. Contain the to, sound somewhat. Yeah, like we don't have to turn it up okay. and we can cruise through it. We got our little oomph when we need it. So yeah, um, I like our setup. Our setup is like a club more than a festival. Mm. Where we're on a mm. stage blaring mm. out, mm-hmm. right? you know, we rather surround the people the way music is meant to be enjoyed that mm-hmm. way, and, and, and you can sometimes hold a conversation at the, at it in the beginning, towards the middle, not so much, but <laughs> right. slow, yeah. gradually build the sound. But our, yeah, our setup is one of the original um, type setups that I guess everybody has done. What I love about that setup is that it invites people to turn inward rather than face one direction. There's something about when you get the sound surrounding the people, you get people to just, you know, there is no forward anymore. It's like, and and that's one of those things and just curating a space and curating a vibe I think is so important. It's like, I'm not really a big fan of the the DJ worshiping Mm. (laughs) that goes on where everyone Mm. just facing the front, nobody's interacting. It's like, no, that's not what this is about. Um, That's a great, great point. Perspective. That's why it's good to do these interviews. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I don't know about that, but I've never thought of it in that way. And it is very circular when you go out there and people are facing this way, uh-huh. picnicking and cake. Yeah, so, that's beautiful. Yeah. I, I also want to speak about some of the fraternal organizations, the corrections meet yeah. up out there. You have college reunions taking place out there. I mean, they literally plan these things. My daughter did an elementary school reunion. She's done it three times or so. So it's, it's a whole become, yeah. gamut of organizing, you know, in a fun and friendly, safe, safe way. Very interesting. Yeah, and I like that it's, you know, there's no um, barricades, right? There's right. no barricades being put up. It's a right. park. It's yeah. public. Yeah. People can walk up and do that. They can organize amongst themselves. Yes to you know to do the exact thing to have an elementary school reunion or That's whatever right. like have people come and gather and it's not this big thing of like oh you gotta you know get your tickets and there's a fence i'm on right. the inside of the fence right. you're on the outside <laughs> right yeah. and i think that's what really stands out to me as being unique yeah. is because i just don't think that gets to happen hmm. often enough right. you know that's real accessibility hmm. in these well, in a public we, space yeah we, and, and that was um the goal that we, you know, free and open to the public because we, it's great to have people who understand the music, but it's also great to have people who may not be familiar with the music to experience the music for the first time. And the way you do that is open and free to the public and you can mm-hmm. enjoy it the way you need to consume the product. Mm-hmm. You may need to consume it from the grass on a blanket. Somebody else needs to be right there in front of the speaker. Somebody else mm-hmm. needs to be, you know, baby powder on the ground spinning. Mm-hmm. So we let people um, enjoy it the way, it, you know, it needs to be done. You know, even at, um, and then also there's no capacity. There's no limit on right. numbers that way. It's 
you know, people come in for an hour, leave, another group come in, another group come in, and then eventually everybody's in on the dance floor. And it just has a more natural flow in that way. Yeah. Beautiful. So with having so many people just coming into the park, do you ever have to, um, like, how does a community work with conflict resolution or things that might happen at the event? Do you guys have any issues with, um, like, with violence or, like, belligerence, you know, people getting too drunk? Like, what, how do you, what do you do when stuff, you yeah, know, doesn't stuff, necessarily stuff go Stuff right? has never occurred. That's the irony. The first thing, you know, yes. someone will ask us, has anything ever, you know, and it you know, yeah. self-manages. I mean, of course, we, we're fully integrated with the community board, mm-hmm. with the city, city council members, with the mayor's office, et cetera. You know, that's more logistical, but, you know, the climate is amazing. It, you know, self-manages. And that's, that's something that they talk about in Detroit, actually, is yeah. this idea of self-regulation yeah. within a community when you're not so reliant on an enforcer. Right. You know, that the community can really take wow. care of itself and take wow. care of each other. Yes. Yeah. We, wow. And we like, we, we, we like that because... The thing is, everybody has, it's almost like a co-op. Everybody has mm-hmm. something at stake mm-hmm. in, in mm-hmm. it. So I'm not going to let him mess it mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. for me. And mm-hmm. if I know him or if I know mm-hmm. somebody that know him, hey, you know, hey, let's not mm-hmm. mess this up. Yes. You know, let, you know, let's see if we can kind of, yeah. you know, work it out so we can have this. And then, like I said, there, there's all, it's a sense of that this is like our thing house mm-hmm. music people mm-hmm. and people that enjoy house music we mess this up it doesn't just affect so some it affects house music and then there's probably all type of other rippling effects yeah. that will eventually happen throughout people for other events so i think that's where the self-managing and self-regulating people come in and then i believe i want to say house music of this particular sound always kind of had like a a peaceful vibe. There yeah. really never was, you know, mm. but no real aggression. That's interesting, yeah. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, I we're definitely agree. not going to be the first people to claim to have a peaceful event. I think that's the norm for this scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that seemed to be somewhat of the conspiracy with the programming that the, the void we were speaking to. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it seems as though some people felt as though it was almost a conspiracy because it's just the the, the radio programming is just the opposite of what Taboo had just mentioned. Peacefulness and it's like that went away and mm-hmm. whoa. Well, especially I mean, when we're talking about this, you know, early two thousands, like some of the real aggressive, misogynistic, yeah. you know, violent kind of music that's yeah. going on. It's like, it does, you know, music carries an energy with it and that energy connects people in different ways. And it's like, you can connect right. people in a way that's soulful, that's, right. you know, joyful and playful or. Right. It alters behavior. Yeah. I mean, that's the point, altering the spirit and you know, altered states, you know, house music is known for the altered state experience. Yeah. You know, people go come for healing. Yeah. You spoke of the club shelter and these (laughs) other clubs, the garage. People Mm -hmm. literally go there to heal. They go there with that in their mind. Yeah. I need 
to go mm-hmm. here this mm-hmm. week. I haven't mm-hmm. gone for three weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, often mm-hmm. people speak about the theological organizations in that manner. You know, church. Mm-hmm. I haven't gone to church in a while. Mm-hmm. I haven't gone to temple in a while. Yeah. <laughs> or synagogue. Mm-hmm. But imagine, you know, I haven't gone to this club in, you know, about four weeks. I need to go. And I think mm-hmm. that's, that's really that difference of um, party culture and nightlife culture that's about the experience and the community and the people who are there in contrast with focusing on the drinking right. or the status or, you know, it's like it's just a completely different mindset that um, can happen in these spaces and that's kind of that spectrum that I've been looking at and exploring with this project um, but this this event just really drew me in because it's just so unique uh, can you tell me a little bit about the process of you know from it becoming in the beginning you know more of a renegade thing and then having to go through this process of working with the community um, the community organizations and getting the permits and kind of that process into, um, I don't know, I guess making it more city legit. (laughs) I think we were, you know, again, you're you're almost like any good business idea. You're forced to do so as you grow and as you mature. Sure. You know, what's your capacity? How many numbers? 10,000? Oh, we have to have the community police there and we have to have several patrol cars on the outside and your permit must indicate you know forced in in, in that manner um, so we found out along the way uh, taboo spoke about you know creating some type of triangulation you know you have the political perspective mm-hmm. you have the legislative people city council and then you have the public mm. yeah uh, and Ironically, in this case, the public led the other two, mm. not the other way around where you have public policy influencing public opinion. Mm-hmm. It was actually the reverse. You know, when we've had hiccups and, you know, three people call and complain about mm-hmm. whatever, people leaving the park, if you can imagine that, and we say, oh, so three people called about complaining. So what about 13,000 calling saying how wonderful it was? This yeah. is what we would do. And how important. So you'd have those people calling. We would, like we people, have. Yeah. Shut down the phone system. It did. Ah. Broke somebody's phone system, the calls, and they were threatening to stop it. Because like you said, three people called that didn't like it. So it's only fair to people who do like it call. Yeah. <laughs> and the people who liked it... <laughs> There's a lot more people that (laughs) enjoy it. It's interesting. Yeah, totally. It's like, what are some of the what are some of the challenges that you've had to work through in this process, or just you know, being funding? Yeah. Yeah. That yeah, that would play a part on the number of events too. Yeah, (laughs) eventually. Yeah, I mean, we became so large. Mm -hmm. Could we? Is it feasible to do ten events? No. So Does Afropunk do 10? No, they do one in <laughs> two days in Brooklyn and then they're in there. the next country. Yeah. Think about it. not even the next city. They're, they do two and then they have just too much. Yeah. So, so how, are you, how is the event able to pay for itself when there isn't a ticket cost associated? So what are the other ways that the event is able to make money? Well, we spoke about 
you know, the city agencies and, and um, you know, co coming on board in a positive manner mm -hmm. and uh, funding the event. You know, the, it became the place for city officials to come and mingle with their constituents, but also, you know, they came around to funding the event. And that's pretty much kept us afloat. I mean, we've had some private donations that have come and mm -hmm. gone. Mm -hmm. Adidas and yeah. some others. Wow. Yeah. Private mom and pops. And so is there, because um, I, I noticed that, you know, you've got, you've, so you've been expanding beyond Fort Green Park. And um, has that been something that's been more in recent years? Or can you talk to me a little bit about some of these other activations that have been happening with Soul Summit? Well, the, well, um, before, I guess we would be, before we were Soul Summit, we all individually DJ parties for X amount of years. Of course. Um, so every now and then we would, still take on projects as so something outside of the park so now those um, events are becoming more and more regular so summit events outside of Fort Green Park so in the last four or five years um, the brand is such that you know it moves around New York City at other events um, nowadays and just a lot of DIY spaces because you know we own a sound system and all that so we can go into places and really do our own setup where before we were mainly focusing on the summertime and the outdoor mm -hmm. things but the spillover and the response mm -hmm. was getting like yo why I can't get why I can't go to this event in October or November or we kind of just just really or Harlem in the summertime, so you know, sometimes indoors, but other boroughs. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. and the need, um, the need for, I guess, the music lives beyond the summer. <laughs> it's, it, yeah, it's a year-round, pretty much, um, operation now. But we, we still are very particular about projects we invest our time in. It's to be, if, if it's gonna be a club in the sense of your typical club. It has to be the right setting with the right management. We would not want to invite, uh, you know, people into a hostile environment for, mm -hmm. for uh, a price at the door. So uh, most of uh, the people we work with are on our same mission. Mm -hmm. You know, they, 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 they want inclusive, they want to keep it broad, and they want the spectrum, they like the music, um, they don't mind the crowd. They're not looking for a bottle service crowd. They're not, you know, looking for that look to come and dance. Mm -hmm. So if you have that mission, and if it makes sense, we, we will do the event, you know, at a club. Sure. So you, you choose your partnerships very yeah. carefully yeah, very. and being aware of, you know, how your, this brand, this, you know, organization that you've been developing is represented through the spaces that you work in. Yeah. And that, that's something that I've um, experienced and heard cr criticism, like very, you know, valid criticism of, you know, when you can't say that you're a supporter of a certain community and then go and book events at a venue that's not supportive of that right. community. Like that, it really, yeah. um, 
you know, who you do business with and where you spend your money, it does make a difference. And it speaks for your own actions as well to associate with some of these places. And so when you can associate and align yourself with um, venues or partners who are doing right. good work, yes, it's also representative. And, you know, for example, since you, you're, you're there, uh, we get calls, as Tapu insinuated, from the Brooklyn Museum. You know, they target first Saturdays. They have a themed event monthly based on the genre of music, rock, classic, country, and of course house music came around and they give us a call. Mm -hmm. So who better to partner with Soul Summit than the Brooklyn Museum? Yeah. You know, New York City, one of the largest museums in the world. Incredible museum. Uh, that. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, Brooklyn Academy of Music, Soul Summit a call. During Black History Month, they're going to do a two-day event. So really qualitative institutions. Um, our longest partnership was probably uh, Restoration Plaza. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Restoration Plaza. I'm not. It's closer to Taboo's home uh, in Bed Stuyvesant. I think the Kennedys were part of the yeah. initial funders of uh, the Restoration Plaza. Dynamic institution. It's a co-op. It's a non-for-profit, but but it's also like a community uh, space. Okay. It's like a block long, and it's all these different components to it. And you know, uh, it's been. It was. I I would safe to say it's been quiet, mm -hmm. doing good work, but quiet. So what we would bring to the table is that a new awareness of all these new programs that they're offering. Mm -hmm. First of all, that is there. We always get, I didn't even realize this was here in the back, because we do, uh, our event is in the plaza area. Outdoors. Yeah, so, you know, and those are the type of partnerships we really like. People that's doing stuff in the community mm -hmm. already. Mm -hmm. People that have the space, understand the vision. Mm -hmm. and then trust us enough to leave it in our hands, to not micromanage us at what we do. Also very important. Yes. <laughs> the space that we're in right now, the Cal stage, we trust our vision for this, because this is not a nightclub. Mm -hmm. right? This would be, I guess on paper, a mall. But this is a very cool mall. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, the space. Latest, yeah. 2019, you know, technology. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, this, this place, it has a very communal social vibe, though, yeah. as well, where, you know, down here, it's a lot of food and sharing food together is very yeah. social and communal in contrast with the shopping that's happening right. upstairs. But right. this also feels like a lot of small local spots down here. Yeah. You know, you're not seeing uh, typical food chains. Wow. Is that the right? Yeah, yeah. No, yes, yes. yes. It was like food chains that came out. Franchise. Right, right, you know, you're not yes. seeing the typical franchises down here. Like, like this like is people who used to vend. Yeah, know. this feels very authentic. It's almost like food yeah. trucks and moved into the basement. Right. Is exactly. a lot of people's first business down mm. here. They yeah. went for that. They went. It was a not anybody who applied to be a vendor here was accepted what you do, how long you've been doing it, what you bring to it, you know, so they, they coordinated this quite well. And this space too, it complements that. So they're still about community at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So that's why they made a good partnership for Soul Summit. 
And like I said, again, they trust our, our judgment on what we're going to bring to the table programming-wise and elsewhere mm-hmm. about mm. this space. Mm. And it's brand new. We, we're only doing our second event here uh, this month. Okay. And I, I just as a quick plug, after our overwhelming, smashing, grand opening event, in February. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> well, I look forward to more of that. And I know you've got a residency going on right now nowadays. And yes. um, what, el- what else do you guys have going on that's coming up here in the near future? Oh, wow. Let me see. The, you know, I guess we could put a couple of plugs in. Uh, we have House of Yes on April 12th. Uh, elsewhere, when the roof opens in July. Uh, trying to solidify a date with Black Flamingo. It's a nightclub, vegan restaurant. Uh, We're trying to coordinate our calendars. There's about four or five other clubs waiting. Leading into the summer. Leading into the summer. Fort Green Park. Yeah. And then what are the dates going to be for Fort Green Park this summer? Wow. Are we we releasing those? Oh, are we ready? (laughs) (laughs) I think we can. I mean, this is coming out, like, in April. Uh, oh, okay. Early April, so you got a couple of weeks. But the first Sunday is July seventh. July seventh. All yes. right. And uh, I think the next date is August fourth. Excellent. So as you can see, we've reduced the amount of events somewhat involuntarily, um, but we have one major Soul Summit event for Green Park July one major Fort Green Park in August. That's kind of how mm-hmm. we theme it and sell it. But now, because of the momentum of the events taking place in yeah. Fort Green Park, you've got all these other partnerships, right. these other activations. Absolutely. And so that's really beautiful that it didn't have to be limited no, by you still get to those three people eight, complaining eight, in the park. times, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, so what what have you all learned along the way that you'd like to share with other people? What are some of the things that um, hmm. you know you've learned through this process? I would recommend anyone that's going to do uh, a big gathering or small gathering or anything outside of the normal um, do the political whatever that defined for the person do go the political route first maybe get some introduce your concept to uh, the political people in your particular neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And I mean, political can mean right. officially political or socially political. That's right. Exactly. Mm. That's or, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah. And the other thing is stay the course. Perseverance. Wow. <laughs> I mean, we're sitting here through the perseverance, you know, no matter how big house music was or was not mm-hmm. we stayed the course because you know house music has went up mm-hmm. house music came down now it's back up again and i mm-hmm. and, and i don't see it going down mm-hmm. but right this ride here i think is is going to be a long one because everybody there's so many new and younger people coming in mm-hmm. we're bringing in a lot of different ideas to it so I'm, the resurgence reminds me of the early, early 90s mm-hmm. that, 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 that I'm seeing. And that, that's a good thing. 
we, we, we're enjoying the ride. Yeah. It's hard to compete with music that follows the beat of your heart. That's yeah. Right. <laughs> That's right. And the vision, I would say, um, you know, always maintain a vision that's that's centered on reality um, that you know that's has some organization to it you know often people say follow your dreams but you know you must do so with organization and due you diligence must, yeah due diligence yeah. a discipline uh, but certainly the vision you know knowing where you want to go and what your stake is and what influence Mm -hmm. So I think all three of us knew that we could have influence on the Brooklyn culture, society uh, in particular, but New York City in general. I mean, I we were joking a few weeks ago. I was saying that Brooklyn saved New York. You know, <laughs> Manhattan. No one who wants to live in here. Brooklyn <laughs> is center. Yeah. People fly in all from all around the world to be in Brooklyn. And Brooklyn has, has like, you know, re-envisioned New York City mm. to mean something else. And Soul Summit has been an integral part of Brooklyn's rise over mm -hmm. the last 15 to 20 years. Mm -hmm. Fort Greene Park, yeah. Soul Summit has been integral. And, know, and maybe not that. even just the rise, but the, like, holding space. You know, just holding that space and holding on to the things that once were, That's and right. you know, keeping that a part of like this and you know, we, communal we, part. You know, taboo spoke you know? about the history. We Jeff yeah. did as well. We saw things. We were here. He spoke about the artists. You know, they, I called it. There was a black renaissance occurring in Fort Greene, Clinton Hill. I moved here because of it. I was in Manhattan my whole life. 91, I moved here. I heard of all these artists. Wynton Marsalis was here. Chris Rock. Uh, mm -hmm. Rosie Perez, who mm -hmm. lived mm -hmm. three doors down from me. Spike, Spike Lee's family mm -hmm. was right across from Fort Greene Park there. I wanted in. And I, I moved in. I graduated from college in May. And I moved into Brooklyn the, before the next May came around. Yeah. I mean, I, I've def this is definitely the area I tend yeah, to Yeah, I want it in. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Jeff? Um, it's definitely uh, pretty much ditto of everything that was said. Perseverance, um, stay the course. Um, that's pretty much uh, the number one thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And never think you're bigger than the music. It's not about yeah. us. It's right. about the music, the people. Mm -hmm. And the you exchange know. that happens yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, not, it's not a worship thing. If you appreciate mm. what we do, I'm glad for it. But it's always been for us about the music. The music mm -hmm. we love and we like to share. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's not, you know, it's not a personality-driven thing and I think good parties always kind of have that mm -hmm. thing where, where you know music comes first yes. you know um, so that's why I think Blue Soul Summit can go anywhere no matter who is you know 
here, if, if we go as a trio or we go double, sometimes it's four of us, sometimes it's six of us, sometimes mm-hmm. it's one of us. Yeah. It's always about the music. Yeah. We, you know, stay true to that. Yes. Cool. Well, thank you all so much for, um, you know, spending time with me to respond to my cold call of just like, oh, hey, I want to talk to you. (laughs) I really appreciate it. It's an honor to get to speak with all three of you tonight. Likewise. Thank you. Likewise. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you for listening. This project is brought to you by you, the listeners and supporters of Patreon. If you would like to support the Party Pro Toolkit by contributing $5, $10, $20 per month on Patreon, you will help this project grow as we share stories and ideas from party professionals. Support of this project will allow the research to continue in other cities across the country and around the world. To learn more, please visit PartyProToolkit.com.